Welcome to Audacity Works, a podcast inspired by and dedicated to the working artist, the creative entrepreneur, and generally doing the damn thing. This exists on the premise that the world belongs to those who have the audacity to believe that their lives have value. This is for you. Welcome to Audacity Works. I am your host, Rachel Strickland, and this is episode number 70. Seven zero. That's such a big number, my God. We're going to do a buffet episode today, and a buffet episode is where I realize that I have a bunch of questions from readers that I think are great questions, but that I don't have 20 to 30 minutes of material or thoughts, but I still want to address the questions. So we're really just going to address a whole bunch of questions today uh, that I have gotten from you, my listeners. Thank you so much. But first, some tiny updates. Uh, uh, Update number one, it's still winter. I'm surprised by that for some reason. It's because I spent most of this month in Mexico uh, at Sweet Retreats. Um, with my co-host Jenny Tufts and a bunch of amazing artists that I had the privilege of helping to lead through creative excavation. And it was between 75 and 85 degrees every day. Every day. Every day. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm done with winter now. And then I came home to South Carolina and it's still February and it's rude. It's so rude. But in spite of my feelings, it continues to be true, which is happened once or twice in my lifetime. So it continues to be true. Uh, I sent out um, an email to my entire list on uh, Friday, just this past Friday, with a couple silly gifts and pictures because it's still February and we wish that it weren't and we're just ready for the next thing. I got so many responses from that one little email with a little gif of a giraffe blip. Um, uh, Apparently, I was not the only person feeling this. So just in solidarity, we're almost there, y'all. We're almost there. It's a leap year, whatever that means. So anyway, keep your eyes on the prize. Friday, it's going to be March. Also, it's going to be Woo Corner. If you haven't gotten your hands on Woo Corner before, I get a lot of good feedback on it. I think it's just a, a nice little deviation away from your regularly scheduled life. So I'll put a link in the show notes. If you're into the woo, or even if you're not into the woo, because both people seem to like Woo Corner, link is in the show notes. Sign up before Friday morning. And that's Friday, March 1st, 2024. In other news, the Audacity Project Cycle 26 is launching next week. So you'll be hearing more about that. Right now it's open to the waitlist and the waitlist only. But next week it's going to be open to the public. So link in the show notes if you're interested or you know someone whose life needs the Audacity Project, um, please share. All right, on to the buffet. One question at a time. Question number one from my friend Dante. I hope you do something related to food. There are so many confusing aspects to food and eating as a physical performer. I agree, Dante. Um, So actually, I have brought on a guest and that guest is... Shannon Morse from The Green Door Life, and that episode is airing next week, episode 71. So uh, stay tuned, mark your calendars, and if you're curious about food and nutrition for performance, uh, then uh, that's coming at you. Thank you, Dante, for that. Uh, Next question on the buffet, it's from Alma, uh, who says, 
I would be interested to know about the creeping feeling of responsibility that I assume one feels when their following grows. She goes on to say, uh, generally, she's been thinking about the responsibility of art and knowing the responsibility is to do what you do, but, and here is a quote, I just read in this art therapy book that creativity used to hold this place for dealing with collective issues and emotions and commercialization that has become increasingly hard. So yeah, how to deal with the responsibility of all of that. Um, Would love to tackle this. Okay, so I understand that when your following grows and you see those numbers going up and up and up and you're like, oh shit, people are really paying attention to me now. I should probably do something better than what I'm doing, even though they came to you because you were doing exactly what you've been doing. So when your follower account grows, uh, don't change what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing. And hopefully what you're doing is exactly what you want to be doing. And if it's not, you know, change it. And anyone who falls by the wayside, if you're doing something that authentically is, is good for you and in integrity with what you're interested in, Anyone who falls by the wayside, they should fall by the wayside. So just let them. But that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is um, your follower account growing and you feeling a responsibility to them. You don't have a responsibility outside of what you've already promised, which is to do the thing that you have been doing. Your responsibility is ultimately to yourself. I mean, this is, it, it's not like your <laughs> your Instagram page is a business, you know. It's about you. So you get to do whatever you want with it. As far as the responsibility of art, I can easily see how um, when put in the social context of art needing to be and creativity needing to be like holding a space for a collective processing of major systemic issues, that is a lot to put onto an art project. I understand it in theory. I don't even disagree with it. I think art is a place where we process those things and perhaps even move forward with those things. But I also do not think that you need to be carrying all of that in the whole world and all of its problems into every piece of art that you want to make and thinking that it needs to fulfill all of these obligations in order to be relevant. In fact, I think that as commendable as the the impetus behind this question is, like wanting to do right by your audience, like wanting to do right by your place in the world and wanting to be a force for good. These are all commendable things. I also think that uh, it's also a subtle form of self-sabotage, especially in the beginning of something. So like, okay, I'm about to begin this thing. um, it's it's kind of planned out. I'm ready to start. But wait, there's more. What about all of these massive systemic cultural issues? Um, how is this piece of work going to address these things and also heal them and also save the world? You see what I'm saying? Like uh, It's not. It's not going to do all of those things. Uh, but thinking that it should will definitely stop you in your tracks and fill you full of you know, shame, which is super helpful when we're trying to make art, isn't it? 
So uh, here is my official recommendation. My official recommendation is not to worry about any of this shit and just to make the artwork that is coming out of you and to trust yourself, to trust your muse. And should these questions come up along the way because it pertains to the piece of work that you're making, then wonderful. But otherwise, far from actually like doing any good to that end, it mostly just halts your progress. And, you know, screeching halt. Um, and that's not helpful for for anyone, for you or anyone. So don't worry about it. It's my official recommendation. Moving on. Next question is from Susanna, who says, I'd love to learn your coping mechanisms to tame fears. I love the clear structure that you give to things and the clear plans to follow. I'd love to be a little lighter spirited and hopefully could learn about it from you. Thank you so much, Susanna. I love this question. Mechanisms to tame fears. My approach to this is not going to work for everyone, but it works super well for me. So uh, let's let's take a metaphor here, okay? I want you to picture a large body of water, and there are some freaky-looking fish swimming around in the water, like those nighttime nightmare fuel fish with the like lanterns that hang in front of their face. That was uh, you know horrifying in Nemo. Uh, anyway, so each of these fish represents something that you're afraid of. Or not, actually, it's not the thing you're afraid of. It's the fear itself. And you're like in the water with these fish. And you're like, okay, these are scary fish. But the thing that is really, really scary is the much bigger fish behind them. And for me, that bigger fish is knowing with an absolute crystal clear certainty that I am going to die. Now, this isn't even meant to be morbid, okay? But I do know that this is accurate. I know it's a mathematical certainty that it's going to happen. And therefore, time is limited. Cue Mary Oliver with what are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? This is literally what I think of um, when I get, when I feel like I'm stuck, which really means that I'm scared um, and, and not wanting to move forward or make progress on things because they're just really scary, I think about my own mortality and the certainty of it. Because once you're focused on that big, freaky fish, all the other little freaky fish are just like, oh, you're cute. You're so cute compared to my own mortality. Okay, I guess uh, this isn't so scary anymore to fill out an application when you're like, well, I'm mortal. This may not have been what you had in mind, dear Susanna, when you asked me this question, but it is quite literally what I do, uh, is remember my mortality and, and put it in a harsh focus because it's very easy to tune it out you know, in day-to-day -day life. Normalcy bias means we don't think about our mortality all the time. And we probably shouldn't, you know, we've got other things to do, but it can be helpful in this, uh, in this context. Um, to put things into perspective, because yeah, once you're focused on your own mortality, it's a great big ugly fish, and it makes the other little ugly fish not so scary. It's just like, oh, sushi, hmm. This is also why uh, when I was traveling internationally by myself for the first time, I was 21 years old, and I was in Ireland studying Gaelic at the University of uh, Ireland at Galway, and this is when Troy came out. Y'all remember Troy? You know, Brad Pitt, that beautiful fight scene. Anyway, there's this uh, lovely scene where um, Achilles is talking to 
Briseis and saying, let me tell you a secret that they don't teach you in your temples. The gods envy us because we're mortal. Everything's more beautiful because we're doomed. Deeply appreciated that moment in cinema when it happened to me live at the age of 21. Have never forgotten about it since. Thank you, Susanna, for allowing me to tell that story. Uh, next question is from Meredith. It might be interesting to hear your take on how to find the space to create. Like, it requires so much space, it seems. I still can't figure out how to really find the space I need to create. This struggle is very real, and I, I have come to appreciate it even more uh, because I am in the exact same position. I find that the, of, of all the resources that I need to create and to continue to create, especially work on this one show that I'm working on, the thing that I need that I don't have is space. And pursuing that has been a frustrating endeavor. But first piece of advice is going to be to know what it is that you need. Uh, now, um, from my perspective, what I need has changed. Uh, you know, there is a lovely boutique studio here. Um, it's an aerial studio here in Charleston called Aerial Fit. And my friends Jordan and Clayton run it. Um, it's, it's just run so beautifully, so thoroughly and so safely. But aerial space isn't the kind of space that I need at this, at this point. And I know that. So if, if I tried to take advantage of a space that was available to me, and let's say it was, then I would go in and find that it wasn't actually conducive to my needs. So what I would urge you to do is to know what it is that you need first and make sure that that's what you're pursuing, because I think a lot of us operate, uh, you know, when, when the going gets tough, we get into this scarcity mindset and we're like, okay, well, I'll just take what I can get. I'll just take what I can get. That might not be worth your time because let's say that what you really need is a big, empty dance studio with a mirror. Like that's the thing that you need to move the piece of work along to its next incarnation. If that's what you need and you end up in um, a beautiful aerial studio with no mirrors and no dance floor and no privacy, you're not going to be able to create that thing that you said, like, it's not going to work, right? It's not the right tool for the job. So you need to know what you need going in and be very clear with yourself and be clear to whomever it is that you're asking. Now, in terms of how to get someone to let you use their space, um, hopefully you have a relationship with them. If, if not, you can form one. You know, it's not rocket science. Reach out, f say hello, um, form a relationship. You know, like, I, I need the thing that you have. Is there something that I can trade for you? Um, space rentals, in my opinion, are usually pretty steep. And generally, they're geared towards something that's going to be making money. Like, it makes sense to charge a rental rate for a studio um, when there's going to be a workshop taught there and like income is going to be coming in. Like, obviously that's, we need to, everyone needs to pay the bills, including the studios that own their space. That makes sense. But if you're just sitting in a room, like thinking and creating, which is so much of what it is that we're doing, let's be honest. That's not like a very lucrative pastime. It's not like you go into a studio to create for two hours and then you leave five grand richer. That's not so much a thing. But what you can do is um, pitch them something, you know, make a proposal, uh, make a, how about this? Make a PDF. You're like, this is what I propose. I can offer, I don't know, this workshop. 
uh, in, in exchange for access to space. Um, and this is uh, for a very American perspective, of course, if you are in um, Europe or Australia or New Zealand or maybe somewhere where artist residencies are more common language. And if you say, I'd like to discuss um, having an artist residency in your space, that they wouldn't look at you like, what the hell are you talking about? Which I find happens pretty frequently here. But official advice, one know what you need to ask for what you need. It is extremely unlikely that someone's just going to call you out of the blue and say, hey, we have this perfect space for you that you never talked about. Um, do you want to use it? It's probably not going to happen. So we have to pursue those things with all the fervor that we have pursued our training in the first place. And I know that you have because making art does not happen on accident. You dedicate yourself to making some stuff like this. It's not easy. You have to mean it. And this is just one more of the challenges uh, is finding that space that you need. And I think that we can always be surprised by what could be available to us if we just ask. And next question is from Emily who would like further advice for getting back to the flow, i.e. exercises to regulate your nervous system. I think that the thing that most of us are missing when it comes to uh, getting back into the flow and regulating your nervous system, particularly after an upset, which, (laughs) when is it not? When are we not being upset? Uh, Is time. Mostly what we need is time, but we're very impatient, and I feel you, I have no patience. I'm a very impatient person. And I am totally fine about that uh, aspect of myself. But I also know that there's no substitute for time. I mean, all like change is the result of focused attention and time. And very rarely uh, does that equation work without the second component, you know, time, we need the time. However, as a very, very quick fix, um, while we're giving ourselves this time, we're still living our day-to-day lives and like doing things and hoping that our nervous system catches up, that we're um, not in a constant threat. Uh, Something that I like to do is to hum on the exhale. And this was given to me, oh, even that one little second just felt really nice uh, by JPB of brain body resilience. And actually there there's a whole webinar. I brought JPB on and hosted her so that she could just give us a whole bunch of of oodles of things to do to make friends with our nervous system. And I found it really helpful. I use a lot of her techniques every day. That humming one is one of my favorite ones, but Uh, If you want access to this webinar, it's available to you. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's called Stress School. I think it costs $25 to get access to it. If it's something that you need and you don't have the resources to pay for that, reach out to me. We can talk. Our next question is from my good friend, Chris, who's asking, what do you love to see the most from all of us? Uh, Because I often say how proud I am of people that I've gotten to work with. And she's asking, you know, proud of what? There is no thing that you could possibly do that would make me more proud 
of your work and more proud to have been a part of your life at any time than you doing exactly what the fuck you want to do. And that's actually a lot more difficult uh, of a thing to do than it seems like. Um, Show of hands, who has read The NeverEnding Story? I don't mean watch the movie. We all watch the movie, especially if you were like a kid in the 80s. You definitely watched the movie or I'm sad for you. But on the back of Orin, if you've read the book, okay, on the back of Orin, there's an inscription and that inscription reads, do what you wish. And this is the hidden uh, meaning. It's not actually hidden at all behind the never ending story and why I think the never ending story is like brilliant as a kind of a, a sacred text for the creative life. Because do what you wish sounds like a very easy thing to do. Like, oh, no problem. Um, I think I want to go take a bath and then sit on the couch and let my cat sit on my belly and watch reruns of The Office. That's what I wish. Okay. But that's not actually true. That's what would be easy. That's what would be what me and Manflesh call nothing box, just so you can zone out, right? And I see the value in that. But that's not actually what I wish. What I really wish for are things like I wish to have an impact in the world. I want to use my voice and I want to reach real people, i.e. I'm not sitting on the couch watching reruns of The Office right now. I'm in my office recording this podcast so that you can listen to it because that's what I wish. And I think one of the hardest things to do that, you know, we don't, we're not even told or given any guidance about this is being able to di- differentiate between a whim and true, real desire. A whim is something that can arise from like, I don't know, the needs of a body. I want cotton candy. Okay. You know, go get it or don't. Either way, that whim is probably going to go away after a while. But I have a rock opera that I need to write and put on stage and tour. That shit's going to keep you up for months. Especially if you ignore it. So what is a whim And what is true desire? What is driving purpose? Knowing what the difference is between those two things? Not easy, but also imperative. Because do what you wish is the hardest commandment that I could give you. And therefore, when you do, do what you wish, and you're doing exactly what the fuck you want to do, I'm in awe of it. And I I am so proud. and so proud to be a part of it, and even by proximity. And so delighted for you. Well, we ended up talking about kind of like mortality a lot, a lot today, more than I thought. Uh, but I hope that you have enjoyed this buffet um, episode. I'm looking at the time. We're coming up on 23 minutes. I want to thank you for letting me sit here in your ears and talk to you for 23 minutes Uh, It is not something that I take lightly. I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for spending the time with me. It would help me out so much if you thought of someone while you were listening to this and you're like, you know what, so-and-so, we're like, please share it with them. Share it. That would be such an act of gratitude for me. And also, uh, this work is powered by Patreon and so are a lot of things that I do. So I wanted to give an extra special shout out to my amazing patrons for standing up with me in the world and making this and so much more possible in my work. Happy leap year, everybody. We're almost in March. Don't forget to sign up for Woo Corner. It's in the show notes. 
go on with your bad selves, and don't go back to sleep.